0: Yeah. It is Wednesday, January 6th, here in Draft Shark Studios in Rochester, New York. Welcome to the NFL Playoff Time. I'm your host, Matt Schaff. With me, as always, is Jared Smola, but we're only half the team for this podcast. We've also got Adam Krautwurst, my partner, of course, from the Waiver Wire podcast, and we've also got his partner, From the weekly Draft Sharks Invitational podcast, Mike Shope, of course, of 550 WGR fame in Buffalo. Before we go any further, I feel like I should present a disclaimer on both Adam and Mike. Adam, a lifelong Bills fan who actually wore a game-used Steve Tasker jersey as a onesie when he was a baby. Mike (laughs) is a longtime talk host at WGR in Buffalo, as I said. Spends his days fielding calls from, from actual rabid Bills fans, and he still roots for the team to win. Mike... What are the chances that we can actually get objective Bills takes from either you or Adam tonight?
1: I'll volunteer because in the conversations we've had already this week, Adam seems more resistant uh, to it. The the first call of the week on my show about, here it is, the playoffs, guy called up and said, guys, do you think when Josh Allen wins the MVP that the (laughs) voters who didn't vote for him will admit they were wrong? (laughs) <laughs> that's how we started our week. So I think, you know, a week. relatively speaking, Adam and I are probably pretty tame. <laughs> you there just you say, yeah, thank
0: you for your call and then move on to the next one. <laughs> Adam, is it true that you once asked Marv Levy to adopt you?
2: Yeah. Uh, you know, I grew up, it wasn't a Tasker jersey. It was a Keith McCuller. I run the K-Gun. You know, I'm a, <laughs> I'm a big flag football guy. We only run the K-Gun. Okay. So that's, that's kind of where, where I'm at.
0: Did you have to uh, bring in uh, Frank Reich to save a game for you in flag football?
2: Listen, we're not. Frank's the enemy this this week. We're not even going to go there. Okay. (laughs)
0: Can he really be the enemy to any Bills fan at any point? He's kind (laughs) of the one you have to be like, at the end of the game, we're still brothers, right?
2: Yeah, right. Whatever.
0: We are here to focus primarily on the FFPC challenge. The FFPC playoff challenge is in its 18th season. There is no draft, there is no salary cap. You just fill out a 12-man roster from the 14 playoff teams. That is two extra flex spots versus previous seasons now that we've got two extra playoff teams this year. The trick, of course, is you can't use more than one player from any team. It is $200 to enter for a shot at a $500,000 grand prize payouts to the top 700 finishers in the tournament. We've got a strategy article live, went live today on draftsharks.com today. We've got these podcasts coming at you. Mike and Adam had a podcast last night talking to the winner from last year's tournament. So you can find that on the website right now. You can go to myffpc.com right now to register for this competition. It's myffpc.com. The competition's already about a third of the way full. So if you're going to enter, go ahead and do it. It's going to sell out at some point. We will be talking strategy, as I mentioned, for that competition on today's show, some of which can apply, though, to full playoff leagues, even if you're not playing in that format, if you are playing playoff fantasy football. So stick around. See what we have to say. Jared, a big part of setting your playoff challenge lineup and, of course, most playoff formats is deciding which teams to target, which teams to fade, how far you think teams are going. How are you approaching the question of specifically which teams to fade here?
3: Yeah. I think when you're putting together these rosters, your first step should be to like make an NFL playoff bracket and fill it out how you expect it to go and base all your picks on that bracket. You know, we we should, the the, the grand prize for this thing is half a million dollars. Second place is 50 K. Like I would love to win 50 K, but that, you know, that'd be a pretty painful 50 K when you're, you know, one spot away from half a million. So I think every, move you make in this contest should be aimed at getting first place. So, you know, that, that means getting aggressive and kind of going all in on how you think the playoffs are going to go. So obviously there's two teams you need to fade all together. Those should be the teams that you are most confident are going to lose round one. And also, you know, not have any big fantasy scores. I might be confident the Titans are going to lose to the Ravens, but I think, you know, someone from Tennessee is probably going to put up a a good score. So you might still want a Titan in your lineup. You know, there's going to be four players or kickers or defenses in your lineup that are going to be one and done. So, you know, you also have to factor in players you think are going to have big games in a loss, and those guys should potentially be in your lineup.
0: Yeah, we've got 12 teams playing this weekend. Six of them are going to be eliminated after just one game. So you're going to have a couple of guys that are only playing one game. I think we'll talk about that Ravens-Titans game a little bit more uh, coming up. Adam, any teams that you know right now that you're definitely in favor of fading as you build your lineup?
2: Yeah, I think Jared hit the nail on the head. You kind of got to work – you know, you gotta figure out your bracket, figure out your playoff uh, schedule, who's gonna win, and um, you know, talking to Austin last night, he he works uh, last year's winner. He works backwards, so he kind of starts the Super Bowl and makes his way back. And it's it's not as easy as you'd think. Like, oh, you know, we'll just pick the winners and move through. But you can, you know, especially like when we're gonna talk about like the Seahawks Rams game. There's just so many games that could go either way, and how it's gonna affect the way that you build your lineup. But yeah, I think the team that I'm definitely looking to fade is the football, the Washington football team it's gonna be interesting you know because I think a lot of a lot of people though are gonna fade that team so you know if you're not gonna go Kelsey do you want to throw some Logan Thomas in there because I think they do have some good you know, he could have some decent matchups but um so they're kind of a chalk fade there but another team I might look to fade now would be the the, the Browns like I just think that it's just not meant to be for them this year lose losing the coach losing an linemen. um so I might look to fade them also um so Uh, But again, I've only got two lineups, and I know we're building a couple here, so um, I think we can mix it up.
0: Yeah, that Browns line is already up from uh, 3.5 to 6.0. In favor yeah. of the Steelers. The Browns, of course, almost lost to Mason Rudolph the other day. So uh, I'm not loving that team so much either. Mike, I want to put this to you in super fan language to try to, to put it how you're used to hearing it. When the uh, Bills beat the Colts 57 to tree this weekend, uh, are the people who play Jonathan Taylor in their lineups going to apologize or what? <laughs>
1: 57-3, maybe 57-11, and he gets the two-pointer at the end, then maybe not, right? Like <laughs> as you're saying, as Jared pointed out, you're going best case scenario, you're going to have players in your lineup that lose. I mean, that's you don't want to have, you know, too many guys that you faded uh, win or anything like that. You're gonna have some of that no matter what. So try to find whether that's Indianapolis, maybe that's the Rams Seahawk game. If Washington and Chicago are so obvious to fade, you're still going to have to come up with a couple of guys that you expect to get beat. That's what you really want, I think, your kicker and defense to end up being is, is teams that lose this week. So um, that may be a little counterintuitive, but you're going to have to root against somebody in your lineup, or at least at least two players.
0: Or at least hibernate for a weekend and then wake up on Monday and see
3: how you're doing <laughs> heading into round two.
1: I wish I was better at that.
3: That's a good point that uh, Mike makes. I mean, there's going to be eight teams left after this weekend. You want eight positional players, I think. I mean, unless there's a defense that goes off, scores multiple touchdowns. So that means you don't want, you know, to fade a team and then pick the kicker from their opponent. Like, you wouldn't want to fade the Rams and pick Jason Myers as a Seahawks kicker because that means, you know, you're going to lose a position player and you're going to have either a faded team or a kicker in your final eight, which which you don't want.
0: Yeah, and we'll certainly be looking at correlations like that and the options that we're considering for each team. So let's get to some of the players that we're going to be focusing on here. We're going to go by team because I think that's really how you build this since you can only pick one player from a team. Obviously, if you think the Chiefs are going to win the Super Bowl, in most playoff formats, you want to draft as many Chiefs as possible. Here, we have to figure out which one we want. Um, Just a reminder on anybody who's not familiar with the competition, the lineup is one quarterback, two running backs, two wide receivers, one tight end, one kicker, one defense, four flex spots this year. Again, that's two more than usual with the extra playoff teams. That flex could be a running back, wide receiver, or a tight end. It is FFPC scoring, so tight ends get one and a half points per reception. Everybody else gets regular PPR scoring, so that comes into play as well. I think it can sometimes be a little bit overrated, both for regular season FFPC and for this competition, but we'll talk about that, I think, as we get to the specific players. The only other thing to keep in mind is that the points double for any players that you have in the Super Bowl. So that should definitely factor into your planning when you're deciding which players to take from each team. You get twice as many points. Whoever you have playing in the Super Bowl can mean big swings when we get to that final game. So we're going to go basically seed-wise. I want to start with the Chiefs also because I has, it has the benefit of getting Adam angry that we're not starting with the Bills. Jared, Travis Kelsey, I think, is the first name to talk about here because he, you know he's the stud tight end. It's a tight end premium scoring format. He might be battling Devonte Adams, maybe Stefan Diggs for the highest owned player in this tournament.
3: Yeah, I think in a vacuum, Kelsey's the best play from the Chiefs. I mean, we you should be factoring in you know projected ownership too, I guess, to use like a DFS term because that matters. You know, like Kel- Kelsey, I think again in a vacuum, not taking into account ownership. I think he's the, the best play here. Um, you know, 24.3 FFPC points per game for Kelsey during the regular season. That was third most among all non-quarterbacks still alive behind only Devonta Adams and, and Alvin Kamara. 10 more points per game than any other tight end still playing. So you need to fill that one tight end spot. Kelsey gives you a massive advantage at it. So again, if we're not trying to get contrarian with the Chiefs, I think Kelsey's where you go there.
0: Mike, what do you think on Travis Kelsey here? Is he so I guess there are a couple different paths to go down here. If you're having one team, you might, you know, approach that one way. And if you're building five plus teams, then you're going to want some different pieces. So I guess if you're building five teams here, are you putting Travis Kelsey on five, thinking that he just locks up the tight end spot because he's your only, these, you know, the only tight end you need to play, or do you also want some Patrick Mahomes and some Tyreek Hill mixed in?
1: To the question, I wouldn't put him on all my teams. I think I'm the type to get a little more, a little too cute, you know, with lineups. But I would want to have some uh, variety there. Here are a couple thoughts on that. One is from talking to Austin Martin last night. You referenced that Adam and I did that on on the Invitational show. George Kittle was that player last year. People loved San Francisco's chances, and not that it might have been as limited, but it was still somewhat limited at tight end. And it wasn't Kittle or even Garoppolo. Who the top teams had on San Francisco, it was Mostert. So I don't think you should feel like you have to take Kelsey, even with the gap this year between him and the other tight ends. And plus, the Chiefs are so rich. I really like the idea of Tyreek Hill in this format where you are trying to diversify. And I think back to the other point, it's a short list of tight ends you would ever pick here this year. I mean, the second best guy in the league is Waller. He wasn't in the playoffs. Logan Thomas is the weakest team in the in the whole thing, arguably. I think Andrews is the, maybe the next guy in terms of obviousness at that position. And and that's okay. You're going to want them to win, at, you know, at least one game probably for that to pay off. But the Chiefs do give you at least three really good options. So um, I might have Kelsey on some teams, but not all.
0: Yeah, George Kittle dominated the ownership rate last year. He was at about 77%, according to Fantasy Mojo, in this playoff challenge. I I don't think Travis Kelsey reaches his level because those Niners did not have a whole lot of exciting options. It was George Kittle who was the monster, and then it was, you know, Raheem Mostert was even sharing the backfield with Tevin Coleman going into the playoffs. Jimmy Garoppolo was not somebody that was going to win you a playoff tournament. So George Kittle was a dominant guy. I'm not sure Travis Kelsey reaches that, Adam. How dominant do you think he is do you think he is the number one most owned player and how does that impact your planning for let's say you have 10 teams how many of those do you think has Travis Kelsey
2: on it so I think he is going to be the most owned player for sure because I don't you know I don't think most of the people in this competition are going to do 10 teams so they might do two or three and I don't think they're going to fade Kelsey so I think like Mike said, he's he's the best option by a mile because of his competition at the, at the position. But the thing about it is, is I think this year, with there only being uh, one buy in each, in each conference, like for me generally, usually the the guys with the teams with the buys are the teams with the best quarterbacks. So this year you only have one buy in each in each, in each conference. That leaves more quarterbacks to be able to get four games. So. You get the double points in the Super Bowl. And what I'm trying to say is I think Mahomes is not as valuable as he would have been if there was two more quarterbacks getting buys. Because you have a chance at Lamar Jackson getting four games, Josh Allen getting four games, Tom Brady getting, getting four games. So you have these um, super high-scoring quarterbacks that have a really good shot at getting four four games. So I think Mahomes and Rogers moved down for me, which does keep a guy like Kelsey in play for me. Um, if I had ten teams, I'd probably have him on like five, and then I'd go Tyree Kill and Mahomes for the others. But you know, I don't know. Are we? I haven't thought much about. Well, maybe two weeks ago I was thinking about Le'Veon Bell. I think I sent Mike a text on it. But are we completely just getting rid of the of of, of the running game there? I guess is my is is my question.
0: I am. I'm totally ignoring the backfield for Kansas City because I, I last year I actually put. Damian Williams on my team here because he was their clear lead back, you know, everybody's scoring touchdowns and I knew that that there would be high ownership on Travis Kelsey figured it would be much higher on Tyree Hill and Patrick Mahomes that didn't end up working out. He did have a big game along the way, but I uh, didn't have the quarterback points to me looking at the top finishers last year. It seems like, and it might be different this year, as you said, the different buys and more teams around, but I think that nailing a, a Super Bowl quarterback, On one side or the other, either the NFC or AFC quarterback is going to be key here. The top seven finishers in last year's tournament all had Patrick Mahomes. Twelve of the top 16 finishers had Patrick Mahomes. They also had um, Derrick Henry and Raheem Mostert. So, I mean, one player is not getting you there in this kind of tournament where there's only so much differentiation. But I think that extra game of Patrick Mahomes is what gets you there, especially with the doubled-up scoring. And the other thing for me with Mahomes – versus Tyree Kill and uh, Travis Kelsey is that if we get to the Super Bowl where those points are doubled, it's going to be tough for either Travis Kelsey or Tyree Kill to have a big game without Patrick Mahomes also having a big game. So I get those points from those guys in Mahomes, whereas I'm not getting necessarily Mahomes points if Travis Kelsey or Tyree Kill gets to the Super Bowl and doesn't have a big game.
3: I don't know. I, mean, I, I think, I think the they're is so concentrated this year. I mean, it's not as concentrated as like Green Bay. I mean, we'll get to Green Bay. Like, that's why I think Devonte Adams is a better pick than Aaron Rodgers, because you're just getting so much of Rodgers production by getting Devonte Adams. I mean, the Chiefs offense is really, the passing game is Travis Kelsey and Tyree Kill this year. I mean, they have counted for such a big piece of the pie um, that I think, you know, you could get. A huge Kelsey game that at least matches what Mahomes does in the Super Bowl. Um, I mean, I definitely think Mahomes is a great pick. You know, He's my second favorite option on the Chiefs. He's probably my either second or favorite third, second or third favorite quarterback option overall, along with um, Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen. You know, the reason I would prefer Allen to Mahomes is, you know, I mean, one, Allen actually outscored Mahomes by a tenth of a point during the regular season. The other thing too, if you look at you know how these guys compare to their teammates. Mahomes scored just 4.1 more points per game than Travis Kelsey. Josh Allen scored eight more points per game than Stephon Diggs. So I just – I would bet on Allen and Kelsey outscoring Mahomes and Diggs. Yeah,
2: and the other kind of thing is there, and I don't know if we want to get too cute with it, is – so if you got to look – that's the whole thing. you got to pick the winners and look forward. And if you have a Bills-Chiefs bracket – the AFC Championship game, like Mike and I talked about last night, the Bills do not give up d- deep passes. Tyree Kill had three catches for twenty yards against the Bills this season. They ran, they ran, they ran to win to, to win that game. So even if if it is a Bills Chiefs AFC Championship game, I I would put my money on on Kelsey and Mahomes, basically more on Kelsey or even the, the run game. But obviously it's 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 too dangerous to pick the running back because we don't know what's what's going on. But Kelsey's a no doubt about it guy every single week. The problem is everyone's going to have him but sorry
1: mike i didn't mean to interrupt you no you didn't i just think you know some some of this is narratives and trying to figure out which ones are worth anything and and one when it when it comes to the chiefs you have a chiefs team that's played a bunch of fairly close games in a row like they have not really blown people out in the way that the bills have at least but you still see the chiefs as quite the prohibitive favorite so I think if you if you want to go there, if you're building these brackets like people advise you to do and you get, you're on Kansas City, that Super Bowl last year, Mahomes got there, but it was not an easy game for him. And I think this year they'd be a bigger favorite if they make the Super Bowl than they were last year. I mean, each of the NFC teams, there are questions. It could be the Buccaneers in Tampa. But really, I, I would think that if Kansas City gets through the AFC, they'll be a pretty... Popular pick going into that Super Bowl, and maybe you just get a Mahomes uh, blow up game. You know there is there there are other options with that offense when he's really on. You you do get Demarcus Robinson, you do get Watkins like in the Super Bowl last year. So I feel like if you're want if you want to put your chips in on Kansas City in a year where Buffalo's good and Baltimore's good, then I think Mahomes can make a lot of sense. That's not really saying much. He is Patrick Mahomes, but I, I sort of feel like that there is that, you know, that blow up Super Bowl out there for him.
0: Right. For me, it's it's Patrick Mahomes and it's Josh Allen. And I, I might put a hundred percent of my teams in one of those or in either of those guys, splitting it between them, feeling like I'm gonna get one of those two into the Super Bowl. And again, I think that nailing a Super Bowl quarterback is important in this. So I think that the Chiefs and Bills are probably a coin flip at this point for making the Super Bowl out of the AFC. Uh, I do think that uh, they're higher versus the rest of the AFC than any team in the NFC is. So I feel pretty good that one of those two teams is going. So I'm deciding between Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen, figuring that I'm going to get a Super Bowl quarterback. At some point, if you're just doing one team, I think you have to flip a coin, knowing that you can play the top pass catcher for whichever quarterback you don't end up getting, and then just kind of cross your fingers from there. Because we did have high finishing teams that didn't have Patrick Mahomes. We did have some Lamar Jackson teams mixed in there among the top 12, even though he only played one game last year. So it's possible, but you really need to nail everything else if you're going to make it work without that Super Bowl quarterback, I think.
1: If you think it's a coin flip, don't you play, Allen? Extra game. I mean, there'll be an underdog in Kansas City, no matter what happens between now and then. I thought maybe five points is that number at this point. That's a guess. I think if if you think it's even, I think it's Allen and Kelsey. And I have a tendency to overstate things when I pull them off
0: the cuff. Maybe it's not a coin flip, but I think it's close. I think it's definitely those two teams. And right now I would not put – Hundred dollars on either one to beat the other.
1: Trust Here's what
3: here, here I'll right. say about that. I mean, if it, if it's Buffalo in Kansas City, I'd I'd give the Chiefs. Like, I don't know. Is I'm, this is off the cuff too? Like a sixty percent chance of winning that game. What's interesting though is I think the Chiefs are probably going to have the tougher second round game. If the Chiefs have to play Baltimore and Buffalo gets Pittsburgh, and yeah, I I'd rather play Pittsburgh right now. So I think the Bills might actually be a slightly better chance to win that second round game. Of course, the Chiefs get the buy. so they're already into the second round, so that helps them too.
0: I think we'll get to the Ravens in a bit. I think you might be overrating them a little bit. I think that they're a team that seems hotter than they really are. But before we get past the Chiefs, Mike, did you want to throw in anything else on Tyree Kill as an option?
1: I mean, not in terms of of data, but I mean, think of the ceiling, right? And what what's the name of the game here? It's not having everybody else's lineup. So you really have to decide that probably based on what you think Kelsey and Mahomes will amount to in terms of the rest of the... The field, and maybe that question is mostly about how many teams do most players play. I mean, if you're if you're playing ten teams, then you would probably want to dis- diversify like that, as opposed to one or two or three. But you know what Tyree Kill is. I mean, you could have ten for two hundred and two in any one of these games. If if the Bills are able to stop Tyree Kill in the AFC Championship, good for them. It was a weird night that night where they they didn't do much in the passing game. They didn't have to, so I wouldn't bet against him in that matchup. I mean, Hill is just an option. And as you run through these teams for a third option, he's pretty good.
0: I know Adam told us that there's a brick wall actually at the back of the Bills defense and that <laughs> Tyreek Hill just runs into it and falls over, I believe.
1: Yes. <laughs> hope, hope to find out.
3: I think, yeah, I think Hill's a great play if you want to you know, get contrarian with the Chiefs. I think he has a good chance to be you know the top scoring Chiefs player. The, the reason he's third on my list is I just think he gives you less of an advantage at wide receiver. And Kelsey and Mahomes do at their respective positions.
0: Yeah I think that if you play Tyreek Hill you are hoping that he has a huge game in the Super Bowl specifically and that you also nail the NFC quarterback. Yeah. On to the Packers let's start talking about the NFC side and to me Devontae Adams is probably the guy who's battling for that top spot. I could see him emerging as the most known player in this tournament. I mean obviously it's him versus Aaron Rodgers but Jared as you started getting to you can get most of Aaron Rodgers most likely we never know what for sure is going to happen but the way things have gone this year the way they went last year when Adams was healthy you get most of Aaron Rodgers by playing Devontae Adams
3: exactly yeah so I actually have Rodgers is like my third choice on the Packers I have Devontae Adams one I have Aaron Jones second but I don't know if I was making a ton of teams I might just eat the chalk and play Devontae Adams on like almost all of them um, and, and the reason for that mostly is if you look at the matchups. So, you know, if, if it goes according to plan, the Packers will open with the Bucs, um, who are 22nd in adjusted points allowed to wide receivers. They're third against running backs. A round two game for Green Bay would probably be either the Saints or the Seahawks. Both of those teams are also much tougher against the run than the pass. So, you know, be, besides the fact that Adams outscored Jones this season, I just think the matchup set up better for him this postseason. And Jones,
0: his, his season finished in this risky way. 10 and 11 carries his past two games. He doesn't have a multiple touchdown game since week two. He had just a one all season, even though he matched last year's red zone usage. So maybe the upside's there. We know that he can have a big game anytime, but uh, it's going to be tough for me to like Aaron Jones in a lineup over Devontae Adams. Adam, How many teams out of 10 would have Devontae Adams on him for you?
2: If it wasn't for injury, like I I just don't like the thought of an injury knocking out, you know, every single team. But yeah, it's 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 Adams for me, um, in almost all of them. Um, He's great. Like Jared said, the schedule is good enough for him. Um, And I just don't find myself. I don't like Rodgers because of I want as many games out of my quarterback as I possibly can. And I think there's too many good options in the AFC and Tom Brady at quarterback because I think did the Bucks play the Packers this year and crush them?
1: Tampa Bay won big.
2: Yeah. So, like, I, you you guys know how I feel about Tom Brady. I, I'd like Tampa to come – if it's Tampa against Green Bay, i like Tampa to come out of it and get that extra game. I, just, I never find myself on Aaron Rodgers. And another thing is, too, is I could see them being successful and winning it all through Aaron Jones. So there's a there's a way that, like, you have Aaron Rodgers and he just doesn't have MVP numbers throughout the, throughout the whole thing. So – but I don't like Aaron Jones, right? So I gotta go to D- D- Devontae Adams. Um, he's just he's sensational, him and Rodgers are good. And he's gonna get you don't have to worry about any other receiving threats there. It's not like you know, I love I love the Bucks, but they've got three receivers there. You know, you gotta pick which one it's gonna be. That's why to me, Brady's the guy there. But um, I think with Green Bay, it's
1: in, I've been just insta-clicking to Devontae Adams. I like Jones. Ooh, and baby. I don't think this is the way to do it, but <laughs> the Rams. So if the Rams win and they're about a field goal underdog and I that, I think that's maybe the most interesting game to try to pick at in terms of the line and this weekend who knows about golf Seattle there's such a wide range of outcomes. but if it's the Rams, I think it could be interesting with with Adams. You know, Jones catches the ball. They're both great around the goal line. I feel like my ideal team would have with the Flex positions would have five receivers. And three running backs. And I think I might wait on Green Bay to see how the rest of it falls. Because it's pretty there's a great argument for both guys. But I feel like Jones is going to be their running back. I mean, this is this is when it's time to get serious. It's not going to be AJ Dillon or Jamal Williams when it matters. These should be tough games. So I, I think. I'm at least very open to Aaron Jones in my lineups.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think Aaron Jones is more like Damian Williams was for the Chiefs last year, probably at a higher owned rate. I'm sure Devontae Adams is going to be very highly owned, but I can certainly see the path to Aaron Jones, and I agree. It should be them leaning on him for whatever backfield work they're looking for.
3: That's a good example, too, of playing out the bracket. Like, you know, if you're if you're building Mike's team and you expect the Rams to win, you know, you're using Cam Akers or Robert Woods or whoever. Um, and then, you know, maybe, I mean, in that case, um, you know, Jones's matchup against the Rams, Rundy would also be tough, but, you know, maybe it sets yep. him up a bit better than it would set up Devonta Adams against uh, Jalen Ramsey. Yeah. It's one it's- thing, there's not a lot of pushover matchups in the NFC defenses when you look at it. That's true. Yep.
2: Yeah, and I think what the, the thing about the Packers is, too, they're very similar to the Chiefs, where it's going to only be, you know, Rodgers, Adams, and Jones, probably. So, and Jones is the contrarian. He's probably going to be third-owned on all three of those guys. So, uh, you know, you could certainly not going to go wrong with Jones, especially if they find themselves running the ball um, quite a bit to, to win these games.
0: Looking at some of the ownership percentages last year, and just knowing how people spread it around at quarterback a little bit, I think Jones is going to end up being higher owned than Aaron Rodgers, especially because you need two of those with the four. Yeah, that is true. The quarterback, just one quarterback. But let's move on to the Bills now, who also seem to me to not have a ton of options to choose from. Adam, do you think it's more than NFL reception leader Stephon Diggs versus Greek God Josh Allen?
2: It's gonna be interesting. I don't think Beasley's gonna play this week. Maybe, maybe not. So I think that pushes Diggs up a little, a little bit. And then Smokey Brown is back. And he, you know, he looked great last week against those lockdown Miami corners. So um, so yeah, I think that it's gonna be it's Diggs's world still. Um, I'll be interested to see if they you know, if Beasley's out, do they move Diggs into the slot on those third and fourth downs? You know, is he gonna be kind of that trustworthy third and fourth down short yardage blanket guy, but I don't think it's going to matter. I think he's going to get it. He's going to get his touches. And, um, but, and that's another reason why I like going with like a Tom Brady quarterback build or a NFC quarterback quarterback build is because you can come back and get like we ready to talk, but you can get Kelsey and you can get digs. I think those are great options to be able to build around another quarterback um, from the NFC. If that's throughout you, you want to go, but um, it's, it's another team. You know, like this, like the Chiefs. You don't have to worry about the running backs there. You can just fade those, fade those guys. And really, to me, it's Allen and Diggs. And if I guess, if you have ten teams and you want to bill in every one of them, you might take if Beasley doesn't play this weekend, you might take John Brown in one, uh, j- just in case because John um, Brown's really good. People forget how great he was last year. I know I don't have to tell Jared. Jared's the big John Brown guy, but um, he's especially. You know, we haven't even really seen them a ton at full strength with John Brown against number two corners, you know, because he's been just hurt all year, so he could be that guy where Dayball just leans on him to kill these these number two corners.
0: You're definitely in a John Brown safe space here, so feel comfortable saying <laughs> whatever you want about him. Mike, how, how much are you leaning on Stefan Diggs and or Josh Allen, and is there a third or fourth Bill entering the picture?
1: I mean, I, I like Brown a lot, too, as a player, but I don't think I would ever get to anybody's second best receiver in this tournament. I mean, I, I think you find your way to contrarian plays through fades, which teams you go for, mm-hmm. and then by position. But I think Brown is where you're just sort of tempting fate. I mean, Diggs got to eight touchdowns, but he was not a big touchdown guy this year either. I think red zone, Allen likes Beasley. He throws the tight end. He'll run it in. I mean, I think, I think Allen is the one you want. Mm-hmm. And that can be three games. I don't think it, it's the end of the world if he's not in the Super Bowl. If you, if you have a, a team with Allen and Kelsey or Allen and Hill, I, I, I'm i cool with that. So if I had one team, it would not have Diggs on it. Uh, it might have Allen on it. Jared, what you got on the Bills?
3: Yeah, Allen's the lean for me, too. Um, and, yeah, I love John Brown. I, I need to be making, you know, like 20 teams to get John Brown into that. <laughs> I'm not even sure then I'd end up with John Brown. I, I agree with what Mike said. I mean, you know, the – Argument this year would be someone like the Bucks, you know, who's their number one wide receiver. You might be going with Antonio Brown, even though he's their third guy. But in general, yeah, you know, don't don't get fancy with playing like backup second string guys here. So I like Allen because as big of a season as Diggs had, you know, he didn't account for as much as Allen's production as like Devontae Adams did in Green Bay, or even Kelsey and Tyree Kill did in Kansas City. And Allen gives you the rushing production, which you know, he can score without Stephon Diggs or any of his receivers scoring as well. So, um, yeah, Allen is my top choice on the Bills. If I go elsewhere at quarterback, then it's definitely Steph Diggs.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with both of those. And as I said before, I think it's I think the Bills and the Chiefs are easier to bet on as Super Bowl um, likely teams if you're picking quarterback than anybody on the NFC side. So I like having either Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes. I can definitely see the path to Josh Allen over Patrick Mahomes in that He does run in plenty of touchdowns, and he's getting an extra game this weekend. So very attractive, and Stephon Diggs would be the only other bill I'm looking at. The Saints might be the most interesting team that we've gotten to so far. It would be a lot less interesting if everybody were healthy, but everybody is not healthy. It's Alvin Kamara. We're hoping he's going to come off the COVID list, and that's the first question that we have to answer is we're probably not going to know until Sunday because I think that's the earliest that he could come off. But lineups for this tournament lock at 105 Eastern on Saturday. So we're probably going to have to set these lineups, not knowing whether Alvin Kamara is going to play on Sunday. Michael Thomas is coming off a high ankle sprain. He's likely to play, it seems like. He's back to practice this week. Reports are positive on him. So we should at least go in expecting Michael Thomas to play. Of course, the ankles a question. So I guess, Jared, first off, what are you doing with the Saints at this point?
3: I'm going to wait till, you know, Saturday at 1245. Um, I, like To me, if if we don't hear that Kamara tested positive or is having, you know, symptoms, I think we can, I don't want to say safely assume, but we can at least assume that, you know, he, he's going to be cleared for this one. To me, Kamara is the top play on the Saints, you know, again, not factoring in ownership. And it's just because I think the gap between him and the rest of the running backs is bigger than the gap between Thomas and the rest of the receivers. They're, it's pretty easy to fill your wide receiver spots and then even get receivers in the flex, you know, there, there aren't many attractive running backs here. Um, So, you know, right. that, that's kind of why I lean towards Camara. Again, if you're not trying to get contrarian with the Saints, I do think Thomas is the you know, more contrarian pick here.
0: I wonder what the ownership rates are going to end up like on them, because it's going to be tough to just, you know, comfortably play Camara without knowing for sure that he's going to be in the lineup. To me, if you are playing Camara, I think you have to do it with an AFC quarterback because there will still be a chance when you lock your lineup that Kamara doesn't play on Sunday, or even if he does play, I mean, maybe he's been sick for the past week and a half and he's not all the way to Alvin Kamara. Maybe he plays a more limited role like he did in some of the Taysom Hill games when he was dealing with a foot injury. So I think that if you play Kamara, he still has a chance to play three games, even if he gives you a dud in that first one, but you want them to reach the Super Bowl in that case. So play that AFC quarterback. I think that maximizes the upside with Kamara. Mike, what are you feeling at this point? Obviously, we've got lots left to to gauge with all these guys, but what are you feeling on the Saints front heading into the
1: weekend? I think Kamara is easily the choice. It's not because I have COVID either. I mean, I'm not sitting here going, <laughs> no, oh, he'll be fine. I can get around. I think that's the best team over there. I totally agree and have come up with the same sort of results and thoughts with Jared about the running back position. I think you're going to want – to, nail, to lock somebody in there that you can trust. This is vaguely reminiscent of the beginning of the regular season when people faded Camara. They didn't know about his contract. The fact that we're not going to know until Sunday, people say, well, there's no news on him. There shouldn't be any news on him. Like, he's not there. And it, you could hear something bad by Saturday, but I think it sets up nicely if people want to fade him because they're worried about the risk and they like Michael Thomas. I mean, the best thing that could happen in my mind, is, oh, Michael Thomas looks good, full practice on Thursday, all that. And I think Kamara is their ticket, running, passing, all of it. And maybe you get a little bit lucky with ownership share because of this other story.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think Michael Thomas has the upside to still be fine, even if Alvin Kamara ends up being fine. But I certainly agree that the, in terms of ultimate upside, it's Alvin Kamara, especially with Drew Brees back in the lineup. By the way, if you guys could see Mike hold up his knuckles to the camera, you'd see COVID bros tattooed <laughs> on there um, with Kamara on the palm. Um, so I, I wonder, too, if maybe the situation with both of these guys where neither is 100%, maybe that helps Drew Brees Be an option in a lineup where we're not playing an AFC quarterback, where we're playing Stephon Diggs, where we're playing Travis Kelsey. Uh, I know that Jared doesn't like it because he hates Drew Brees for some reason. Adam, is Drew Brees a consideration for you?
2: Well, I mean, if I hear that Kamara's been in his bedroom drinking red wine for the last two weeks, I think I'm instant, instantaneously clicking Alvin Kamara. Slow yeah. down. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, Kamara to me is 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 the pick. I, I am one of those guys who, who gets nervous about stuff like, hey, you know, he's not going to play all of a sudden last minute. Um, so that does make me nervous. If I was going to get off of Kamara, though, in a, in, and I wasn't going to go with chalky Travis Kelsey I'm intrigued again not if I have three teams if I have maybe 10 or 12 teams which I may or may not have in going with J- Jared Cook I mean so uh, the tight end there they so who do they got they got the the Bears, Bears first 30th against tight ends Jared by the way if nobody is watching and hasn't read Jared's article it's phenomenal today lots of lots of colors and graphs and pie charts which is huge um, but so th- Bears thirtieth against against the tight end, and then I think they would maybe get the do they get the Seahawks Rams winner maybe. They you would know. get
1: they would get the Seahawks if the Seahawks win, or they would get the Tampa game.
2: Okay, so Seahawks twenty fourth against, against tight end, and Tampa to twenty third. So you know fantasy football is all about the matchups, right? And I feel like um, if you're not going to use Kamara, and you're not going to use um, Kelsey in a lineup, which would be very rare. But if you're going to get off of those those guys, Cook might be might be an option because he could have two or three really good matchups. And he was uh, and Breeze, you know, Breeze Breeze likes him. He, he can get hot. So, but other than other than that, Kamara's my guy for for sure.
0: First of all, let me say that I enjoy when you have your head way back from the camera and your hands up close, looking big. It makes you look like one of those guys from Beetlejuice that had the head shrunk. There you go. Um, to me, Jared Cook honestly is getting a little too cute. He has three games all year of more than four catches. He's only topped 52 yards twice. I mean, regardless of who's been out, Michael Thomas has been out for a lot of the season. Alvin Kamara was subdued for some points. There were different quarterbacks, and through it all, Jared Cook was just kind of meh this yep. year. I mean, you know, he could throw up a big game, but for me, I, I couldn't see myself put sitting down Kamara, Michael Thomas, and Drew Brees to get to Jared Cook.
3: Here's where I might consider Cook is if you're playing the Saints to lose to the Bears this weekend and just get one game, and you're hoping maybe Cook just outscores a limited Camara and a limited Michael Thomas in this one game.
1: Is that uh, something I, you would you would consider?
3: Probably not. So so my my Saint strategy is you know, if I had 10 teams, I'd go like eight Camara and like two Michael Thomas. Mm-hmm. If I'm not playing those guys though, I I would probably fade the Saints before using anyone else from the Saints. Mm-hmm. I'm not interested, I'm not interested in Breeze a quarterback. He's he's not gonna beat Mahomes, Allen, Rodgers, all those guys. Right. Uh, and, and I'm not going to get to Cook or Emmanuel Sanders unless I have, you know, 20 plus teams.
2: And if Kamara does, doesn't play, you know, that's, you know, I don't think that spread looks looks as comfy and they have a shot to win. So, again, I'm not – please, you know, if you're looking to pick between the three, don't pick Cook. But if you've got 10 or 12 teams and you're looking for something contrarian, he might be worth worth a shot. But, I, you know, I'm, I might not even get there.
1: If, if he sits – they they're still a ten point favorite. Last week they all sat and they won easily on the road. I mean, if I had ten teams, he'd be on at least eight. Kamara, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. If I'm doing the
0: ten team thing, it would probably be six Kamara, three Thomas, and one Drew Brees. And I, th- yeah, I Brees think Brees' team probably, is dead. Well, He's not. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Most of his season has been quite good when he's been healthy. I know um, you guys. I know you guys know it because I heard you say it earlier. Number one team in DVOA. Do you think that there's a sentiment that the Saints are chokers? I mean, the last few years, the Vikings last year, you might have looked, you guys would remember, last year playing this tournament. There's New Orleans has an extra game. Maybe they're the best team. Are they not better than San Francisco? Are they not better than Green Bay? And they lose immediately to a Vikings team that got no respect. I, I wonder if people sort of fade the Saints, seven teams in the playoffs, Russell Wilson, Brady, Maybe it just leads, the COVID, maybe it just leads to a little bit of a soft spot with Kamara that you should be grateful for.
3: Yeah, and again, I mean, I, yeah. I fully expect them to beat the Bears. I, I consider them the, the favorites if they're, you know, home for Seattle in round two. I mean, I, I just think as a two seed, they're, I think they're more susceptible than like the Bills as a two seed on the AFC side.
1: Interesting.
0: I mean, I I do think the Bills are better right now than the Saints. Uh, the All of those ad- advanced analytic models that we've been using in our articles and the, the rankings and all that, they point to the Saints and Packers being strong favorites on that side, the Bills and Chiefs being strong favorites on the other side. That's usually the case, but it's also usually the case that the number two seed has a bye. So the fact that right. the Saints are still popping that high, I mean, it makes me – want to worry less, I guess, at least about Drew Brees. And I I don't know. I'm not as worried as Jared is about Drew Brees. I know he had a rough game in his first game back. He wasn't terrific in his next game back. Last week he was fine. I mean, they yeah. ran up a bunch of points. He threw three touchdown passes against the Panthers. And I, I don't think Drew Brees began this season as, you know, Drew Brees of five years ago. So as long as he's yeah. fine, I think that's all he needs to be. And we if we get four games from him. I, you know, again, I don't like him better than Camaro or Michael Thomas, but If there are question marks to any degree on the other two, you know, one or two out of 10, maybe I'll take a shot on him.
3: Yeah, it's not so much that I'm worried about Breeze. It's when you have the firepower of Mahomes and Allen and Rodgers and Lamar Jackson in the playoffs, at quarterback. I just think, you know, expecting Breeze to beat those guys is uh, unlikely. I mean, he doesn't have to beat those guys. You just mean in points? Yeah, I I, I mean, beat relative, you know, to to do enough to to have a win. I I don't think Breeze is going to be in the winning team. I'll leave it at that.
2: And right. you have to fade Kamara to, to get to him too. That's uh, that's not. Yeah. Hard.
1: Last time I yeah, saw it, Kamara, he, last time I saw
0: Kamara, he scored six. Yes, he did. <laughs> yeah, but he's not going to be allowed to wear those Christmas cleats again unless he wants to pay. <laughs>
1: five then, maybe five is better. This, better
0: this team goal. is
3: another case too, where Thomas and Kamara make up so much of the passing production that, like, for for Breeze to go off and Kamara and Thomas to not do a whole lot is, you know, not very likely. So. Yeah.
0: We'll move on to the Seahawks so, so that it doesn't look like I'm trying to push Breeze too much, which I'm not. <laughs> Definitely Camara and Thomas, and then a little bit of Breeze. Um, so on to the Seahawks. And really, the whole Seattle passing game has stunk over the second half of the season. For me, that takes Russell Wilson out of consideration. And I mean, going in, he might seem like somebody that, oh, maybe I'll take a shot on him because nobody's going to want to play him after that stretch. Mike, is Russell Wilson anybody that you would consider in any of these builds as your quarterback?
1: He was yesterday, but I I don't know I I think the the Rams it's such an interesting game I, I feel like the whole week it's been interesting that you can bet that game with the question at quarterback for the Rams the over under is low the Jalen Ramsey point and uh, on Metcalf can Seattle win that game they just beat them twenty to nine right a couple weeks ago can they win that game and then win at the Saints. And then ideally, we win at Green Bay, I'm a no. I mean, I I, I want to think so. I think they're pretty good, but their play has has tailed off. And I think, I mean, that line is three and a half with a Ram team that's scraped in. I, want, I think I want to be on the Rams a little bit, which would mean you got to be really careful with Seattle. And there's just, with that, there's no way I'd get to Wilson.
0: We spend a lot of the regular season, if you play DFS, then you spend a lot of time thinking about what could happen. So could Seattle beat... Three of these teams, sure, but we also now have to figure out what's going to happen in our minds. You know what's likely to happen, and to me, this Seattle team winning several games in these playoffs, I agree. It's not likely to happen, Um, Adam. Where where are you looking when you look at Seattle players?
2: Yeah, you know what I've been kind of building these rosters is I don't, you know, I'm not excited about this game as far as like fantasy implications so i f- i kind of f- like oh okay this is my last flex spot right like who's going to win this game eh, let's go lock it let's go you know it's 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 kind of hard to figure out who's going to do it too now uh, she got jalen ramsey there which you know makes people kind of get off dk Metcalf, who you think would be the chalk for seattle but maybe ramsey scares people enough to get off him and go to lock it or, uh or even C- chris carson so i'm not excited about, about the game um do we have a starting quarterback for the rams yet or we're not going to know till til
1: it's game time right not yet, but that line is ticked down. I think my guess is that people think it's golf. I mean, I okay. feel like it's three, three and a half. Okay. Yeah, I, I just, I, I just can't see golf
2: going and beating Seattle again. And I think, and and when they did, they beat them on, they had, you know, I, I remember having all the, the Rams receivers going against Seattle back when their defense was just at their pass defense was absolutely horrible. Not that it's a ton better now. And it was just rushing touchdown after rushing touchdown after rushing touchdown. So, um, you know, I just, I can't pinpoint either side as far as who's going to do what and with the, you know, you can't pinpoint who's going to win the game. So the game is very scary to me. You know, if I had, Again, we should just do ten teams, right? Because if we're going to do this whole ten team thing, um, but if I had ten teams, I'd probably do, I'd probably mix it up a bunch. I'd probably have some, uh, you know, some DK, uh, maybe maybe the same amount of locket, just because I think he's less uh, less chalky. And then um, Chris, Chris Carson's interesting, but the schedule doesn't really play out uh, in favor of, of of the run game for for Seattle, though.
1: When, when the Rams beat Seattle midseason – Josh Reynolds was the number one target in that game. And the the running backs didn't do very much either for LA, but they won. Yeah, Yeah. and
0: actually Jared Goff threw for like 300 yards in that game. It was like 305. Mm -hmm. Um, They just happened to run it in three times for touchdowns. By the way, on DK Metcalf versus Tyler Lockett, since week 10, DK Metcalf is just wide receiver 22 in total PPR points. Tyler Lockett's wide receiver 18. So it's kind of like last year entering the playoff where they're pretty even Um, And Lockett opens with a much better coverage matchup, as we've alluded to here. If they face the Saints in round two, he'd get the better coverage matchup there, more likely, although it would be a good spot for both of them there. Um, Jared Goff has been a limited practice participant so far to begin the week. So, you know, maybe that helps his chances of playing. For me, overall, this game's not one that I'm putting a ton of thought Mm -hmm. into. I don't think either of these teams is going far. Obviously, one of them is going to win, but I think it's going to be a sluggish game. And I think whoever wins is going to win in a low-scoring defensive game. And if they have a chance of winning going forward, it's going to be something similar. So I'm not worried about missing something big. And I'm kind of taking a few pieces and and kind of sprinkling it around. If I have to settle on one, I'm going to just you know spin a spinner and see who it stops on. What about you, Jared?
3: Yeah, as I mentioned before, I mean, you you want to take a position player from this game. You don't want to completely fade it and take a defense and a kicker, fade it all, all together and take a kicker. I, I'm pretty confident the Seahawks win this game. I, I don't see a banged-up Jared Goff or John Wolford going into Seattle in the playoffs and beating Russell Wilson. So I, I'm, I'm going to use a Seahawks player, likely. I don't like any of them. And I mean, it's because the offense struggled in the second half. It's the matchups are brutal. I mean, you look at the wide receiver matchups. The Rams are first in adjusted points allowed to wide receivers. Round two would likely be the Saints. They're 10th. If they get the Packers in the NFC Championship, they're third. You know, it's a little better for the running backs. For Chris Carson, the Rams are seventh against running backs. The Saints are first. Packers are 24th. I mean, if you're projecting a Seahawks-Packers NFC Championship, I, I think you'd go Chris Carson just for that matchup against Green Bay, um, and that, that's honestly my lean here is Carson, um, just because again running back is so weak. I don't love the spots, you know, the matchups for Metcalf or Lockett. So I, I might just take Carson and hope you know Seattle kind of does what it's been doing over the second half of the season and, and runs way too much.
0: Yeah, Carson is my favorite Seahawk here because I think um, Lockett and Metcalf will soak up most of the Seattle ownership. There will be some Carson, but I think those two guys will be well ahead of him. The question is the playing time on him, which hasn't been awesome. The workload hasn't been awesome, but his playing time has been elevated in games that mattered and games that were competitive. So I think Seattle played Rashad Penny a bit more last week because they could. It was a game that even if they lost to the 49ers, not a big deal. It wouldn't have dramatically altered anything for them, even if you know things gone differently with the other teams they were competing against. If we look back, Carson played more in the loss of the Giants. He played more in the close win over Washington. He played more in the win over the Rams. He played less in the blowout win over the Jets. So I think they've been managing that foot all along. And if it's a competitive game, they're going to play Carson more. I also think that this Seattle team wants to be balanced on offense. Pete Carroll has said as much. So if they're winning... I think Carson's going to be central to that. You know, it's always luck whether you happen to get a touchdown, but I think there's a pretty solid chance that Chris Carson scores if Seattle wins this game and certainly going forward, any further games, they win. So I'm leaning Chris Carson for that reason. And because I'm not, again, I'm not worried about missing out on huge games from any wideouts on the Seattle side, based on how things
1: have gone. If I had one lineup and I was leaning Rams acres, full participant, you know the quarterback's hurt. It's a three-point spread. I feel like Akers has value for some of these these reasons, right? You got to be a little contrarian. If I want to do that, what am I doing with Seattle? Is it a total fade? Is it the kicker? Is it the defense because it's a low total?
3: I don't think I'd play Acres against the Seahawks defense. I mean, they don't correlate as well. So I'd either go kicker or just fade them completely.
2: This has gone it- full blown DFS. I have to check out of this thing. <laughs> Correlations, and
1: I've said chalk like 76 times already. Is I'm it is it not respectable? Is this idea <laughs> respectable? Akers and, and Jason Myers. Yeah, I mean,
3: yeah, I mean, and we'll get to the Rams, obviously, but if you are using a Rams player, Akers would be my pick.
1: I, I agree with that. If you
0: really think the Rams are winning this game, I think for kind of the same reason as Chris Carson is it it's probably because Cam Akers has a big game. Um, so I could see that argument for him. Steelers up next. And I think the focus here is pretty clearly on the wide receivers. Maybe it's not clearly on one, but there is definitely a pecking order to at least begin with as we're deciding what to do. And maybe there's some room for the contrarian play here. Deontay Johnson's the best bet. He, he's going to be the highest own. It's because he's the best bet for targets, 10 plus targets in 10 of his 13 healthy games this year. And even two of those other three games where he didn't reach 10 targets. One was last week in week 17 with Mason Rudolph. Another was the bills game where he sat down for a stretch because of drops and he followed the drops game with 13 and 14 targets the next two. So Deontay Johnson's the leader. Juju Smith-Schuster is not far behind in terms of being a good bet for targets, Chase Claypool, of course, has been the floor ceiling combo guy this year. Jared, what are you doing with the Steelers' wideouts?
3: Yeah, Deontay Johnson, the safe play. You know, if I'm doing 10 lineups, I probably have him in the most. But Chase Claypool is my guy. I just, I, you know, th- there's the whole thing in the second half of the season where his snaps were just down. You know, they were playing James Washington over Chase Claypool for many of those games. And, you know, I had no idea why. Claypool comes out uh, two weeks ago and says Mike Tomlin told him that, you know, they're resting him a bit over over the second half to prevent him from hitting the rookie wall. And we did see Claypool's snaps and routes tick back up again closer, you know, um, where he was in the first half of the season. So I, I think they're going to re-unleash Claypool in the playoffs. He'll be, you know, close to a full-time player. As you said, Matt, He you know, he's he's the highest ceiling guy here. And if we're trying to win this entire contest, Claypool's a guy I I'd, I'd be definitely getting to lineups. I'm going to have him in at least one of my lineups.
0: I mean, I still think that over a what what's going to be two, three or four game sample, Deontay Johnson is easily the highest ceiling guy.
3: I don't. I mean, he's a better catchback, but Claypool's, you know, the better downfield threat. He's definitely a better touchdown, but
0: oh, but I mean all these guys have scored all season. Claypool's been all floor ceiling. So if we get somebody who gets you know, if they, if they play four games and Deontay Johnson gets 52 targets and Claypool gets, you know, 36, which would still be nine a game, I think that's Deontay Johnson pretty easily.
3: Yeah, well, that's true. I guess the more games they play, the better chance the target guy is going to outscore the boom-bust guy. Um, I mean, I don't know. If, if you think they're going to play four games, it's probably Ben Roethlisberger, you know, getting getting four, four games of, you know, 50 pass attempts. You know, he'd probably be the guy. But you know, I, I think it's two games for Pittsburgh. So I think, you know, you're – deciding between uh, one of these three wide receivers.
0: Yeah, I mean, I agree that it's two games. It's still Johnson for me because he's going to get 10-plus targets every game. Claypool could see nine. He could see three. So, I mean, obviously, you know, some of that is betting on the the ceiling and taking a shot there and knowing that you can still win, even if Claypool busts and they only play two games for you.
1: Um, Mike, where are you looking at these uh, Pittsburgh wideouts? I want to hold true to don't take anybody's wide receiver two or three. <laughs> Juju had nine touchdowns. He's a name that I would want to have a conversation about in this, but I still think I'm on Johnson, and I think it's very tough to see Pittsburgh winning more than two. I mean, best case for them is they beat a Browns team. They might even win that game easily, depending on what the Browns condition is. and then it's at the bills. Maybe they need to throw in that game and they could win. But um, I think I would want to be on their wide one of their wide receivers almost definitely. Not a fade, not defense, not kicker, and I think I would be on Johnson unless I felt everybody else was doing it.
0: Johnson would be my top pick for for much the same reason. And I also don't think that this is one that matters a ton. Obviously, you're going to be overthinking all these decisions because it's this high ceiling tournament that you're trying to win. But I don't think these Steelers can win more than one game in these playoffs.
2: Adam, where are you looking? I agree with Mike. I don't I don't see them winning more than uh, you know two games. And uh, I, th- if I- it was in a vacuum, I'm taking De- De- Deontay Johnson. But I think that that's where most people are going to go. So I, I I've- Claypool it, it intrigues me. I saw that too. That they're talking about, you know, kind of coming back around to him. And, and, and their offense was the best when he was in- involved. Like I don't know what they've they've been doing this whole time. And a lot, you know, he's seen as this deep threat, which is which is. True, but he also had a lot of success on these little shovel pass underrounds, these little screen passes. He's so big and strong. He scored on a, b- both of those. So, I think they're going to l- look to unleash him on some short stuff with Ben, and I think he's going to be lower owned than Deontay Johnson. So, I think gonna I'm going to have some Deontay Johnson, but I'm also
1: Claypool is going to be right up there with him. Never juju for any of you guys. Never.
3: Yeah, I was going to say. I mean, he might he might come in lowest owned of these three because De- Deontay is going to be the most popular. And, you know, there's definitely some Claypool talking. Hopefully I'm leading the charge there. But I think he's going to – just people view him as the upside guy. I think he might come in higher owned than Juju. So, you know, for that reason, I think Juju is definitely an interesting play. I was going to
0: say it seems boring to play Juju because he averages two and a half yards (laughs) per catch, but he's also caught a bunch of touchdowns. Any of these three guys could have – the biggest game among the three of them in any week. So I don't think that there's really a strong argument for one of them being the guy over the others. For me though, if I'm setting 10 lineups, because that's easy to do the math on probably going to be five Deontay, three Juju two chase Claypool. Sorry yeah, I'm,
3: probably,
2: <laughs> I'm probably the same, but flipping uh, Claypool and Juju, maybe even going four and one. Cause I just think Claypool, I think they are going to unleash him. I think he, and I just think he has a high higher ceiling. Um, Juju might get you 15, but Claypool, uh, or even 20, but I think Claypool's got that two or three touchdown upside because they'll give it to him at the th- three-yard line on, on end-arounds and screens and stuff. See, when I I have a problem
0: with you guys saying unleashing him because it makes me think that you think they have him in the garage like the sports car that they're they- just going drive the hell out of on Saturday. And I, this is not Cameron and Ferris cruising around Chicago. This is somebody who has, I don't know, it's one arrow that's their prized arrow and it flies the straightest and they're going to take one shot and maybe it works and it's gorgeous and it kills it. Maybe it misses completely. I think Chase Claypool is the best bet for Chase Claypool is he gets like six targets. Maybe he catches four and scores twice. Maybe he catches two.
3: I'll have to go back and pull it up. I mean, there were weeks in the middle of the season when we were ranking Chase Claypool as the top Steelers wide receiver. So I mean, we we've seen we've seen it happen. You know, only a couple months ago. So,
0: yeah, I think we were overrating him at that point. Though I was never comfy with
3: where we were putting him in those weeks. He I, he had a monster he had a monster stretch in you know the the middle part of the
1: season. This is yeah. a team where you could you could base this on what you think the ownership share is. I mean, really, like, all, there's an argument for all three guys. There's no one else on the team I would play.
0: Anybody else? Would anybody else play any Ben Roethlisberger or Eric Ebron?
1: Not me.
3: I think Ben would be the play if you are projecting the Steelers to go to the Super Bowl. Otherwise, it's it's one of the wide eyes.
0: And if you are projecting that, you're probably waving a terrible towel while you're setting your FFPC challenge roster.
2: Yeah. <laughs>
0: On to the Buccaneers. We'll start with Tom Brady because I did hear some talk about considering him as a, a QB option. I believe Adam, is that you saying you kind of like Tom Brady?
2: Yeah, if you're going to go for a quarterback out of the out of the NFC, that's going to get you that can get you the most games. I think Tom Brady is your, your your guy. The thought of him playing four games plus that double Super Bowl bonus here, they're clicking at the right uh, at the right time. And I think what kind of plays into that is who knows what freaking receiver to, 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 pick, you know I mean? Evans is banged up and he might play there this week. Even if he's not back this week, he'll be back the f- f- following week. It's, you know, you just don't know who to pick. So just go with Tom Brady. I mean, if, if you're fading, obviously you can only have one, one quarterback. So that makes a difference. And, and if you only have one team, you're probably not using, using Brady, but um, I think it's, it's an intriguing build to be able to go with a, with a Brady Diggs, Kelsey, you know, Kamara, you can kind of get all those, all those guys in there and Brady's got, got a high ceiling. They've been clicking, and, and to me too, again, kind of going back to the two the bye weeks that we're not getting out of these number two seeds. I know he wasn't a two seed, but to me, the you know the six and ten or whatever they were, Washington football team, they're a bye week to me with a built-in <laughs> points, right? So if you've got if you're going to get this bye week and you're going to get points out of it, I mean, they're going to go on to the to the next round. Uh, you might as well take those free those free points. And even if he doesn't go to the Super Bowl, even if he only plays two, three games you're not going to be crying about it especially when you can load your lineup with the studs from all the other teams so um i really like brady like if i'm not if i'm not going josh allen i'm probably going tom brady just because of that prospect of having that extra game and i just don't know what what, what receiver to pick
0: and we're talking about the bucks walking into round 2 i feel like i should at least raise the point that they played four primetime games this year oh man and lost three of them <laughs> to the bears uh, the, same in the Rams, they came way too close to losing to the Giants in the other. That collection also included Tom Brady's three worst single game grades of the year from Pro Football Focus. Now, am I saying that Tom Brady is too old to play at night? Of course not. Uh, is it viable that perhaps a 43-year-old quarterback performs better in the middle of the day than he does at night? I know I'm a better bet to make it through a movie in the afternoon than i am at night so I'm, I'm just i'm just saying let's not completely dismiss it
3: i forgot about sleepy tom that, that's a good i gotta man i i totally forgot about that that's, that's a good point i wish right? that not he there. doesn't
0: drink any coffee we know he's not gonna have any espresso before the game the, the avocado toast punch only lasts for so long so i guess let me ask you mike when uh tom brady loses in the first round of the playoffs is this supposed Bills fan over here going to apologize for talking him up?
1: Never. No, and he shouldn't. (laughs) How many guys will end up on lineups for Tampa? I mean, half a dozen. I mean, I think Evans is a curiosity with his injury. I don't like for Tampa, and it's not just Brady's age, but that is part of it, I have to admit. I don't like the coach. At Washington, that's a tough defense. At Green Bay, at New Orleans. I don't know, like that That to me, that does not sound great to me. So I think they'll probably be, you know, a darling in this thing, whatever that amounts to Evans being hurt. Maybe Evans would have been the obvious pick if he weren't injured. Mm-hmm. Godwin and Antonio Brown, both like, when did either really just blow up for you? Ronald Jones broke off a hundred yard run in one game. He had some games, but I don't love it. Gronk is interesting to me. Gronk is interesting because they probably should win at least one. And if Evans is out, I don't know, but he's a red zone option. And tight end is tight end, right? If you want to fade Kelsey, I think you can get to Gronkowski. Otherwise, I don't know what I want to do here. Uh, I don't think I'm on Brady, and I want to be on somebody, but I don't know what to do with the Bucs.
0: Yeah, I think Gronk is only an option if he's your tight end, if you're fading Travis Kelsey and not taking uh, Mark Andrews in that spot. He has the issue that Jared Cook has, is a low floor. Three catches or fewer in his past four games and in seven of his past eight games. So he's not a good bet for reception volume. And really, that's the advantage to tight ends in this scoring system. So you might look at Gronk and think he's a good flex option. I don't think he is because if he doesn't score a touchdown, he's basically giving you nothing. Jared, how are you looking at these books?
3: I definitely think they win their first round game. I I do think... The, the offense isn't going to have a, a big one in Washington. I think Washington D is good enough you where know, you're not going to get an explosion from probably any of these guys. You know, maybe one of the wide receivers has a big game, but um, I don't know. Um, Adam kind of convinced me a bit with his Brady argument. I mean, if, I, if I'm playing, like he said, if I'm playing one team, I probably wouldn't go the Brady route. If I'm playing 10, you know, I, I, I like the idea of mixing him in there because it is just, you know, you pull your hair out trying to figure out which of these receivers to pick. It, it'd be tough for me to go with Mike Evans with the injury. Even if he plays this weekend, tough to know how close to 100% he's going to be. So I would go Gavin and and even Antonio Brown ahead of Mike Evans. But I think Ronald Jones is interesting, Um, again, largely because running back is so weak and you have to fill at least two spots. Um, You know, Jones, if you look at his points during the regular season, just, you know, between one and two points fewer than the wide receivers averaged. Um, you know, he had four games of 17 plus points, so he, you know, he did show a ceiling, even though he doesn't really, you know, catch the ball. And then that that round two game, you know, it, it's assuming it's against Green Bay again. Green Bay much worse against the run than the pass, so, you know that, especially if it's bad weather in Green Bay, you know, that that could definitely be a Ronald Jones game. So I'm I'm kind of leaning towards Ronald Jones as my um, top pick from the Bucks.
1: Describe for me a Ronald Jones game. What, what is the Ronald Jones game? He, yeah,
3: he gets I, with 15 carries. The first 14 go for like 18 yards, and then he busts off a 60-yard touchdown. And he drops
1: a couple. And he, and he drops right. 30 balls,
3: yeah.
1: He falls into the right. end zone. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, the running back's position is so interesting. I mean, I, I like Jones, Aaron Jones, you know, Carson we talked about. They're all in the NFC. Kansas City, Buffalo, Pittsburgh at running back, it's never, ever. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think Tampa is a team that I would sort of default on somebody. And in the flex position, I don't know how I would decide. It's a close between a few guys. I, I love Godwin as a player. How could you not? But where was the big game, you know? And Antonio Brown, I really could – I'm almost ambivalent between them.
3: Brown had more targets than Chris Godwin in their first six games together, not, not including last two games when, you know, Brady was pulled at halftime and then in that last game and Mike Evans got hurt. So, I, I think – Brown is just as good a play as Godwin. I'm not sure how the ownership is going to break out between those two.
0: Mm, yeah, I think it's <laughs> spread around enough that it shouldn't really direct anybody's decisions. I think it would be Mike Evans as the easy favorite. But, of course, the knee the knee makes some high risk, high reward. I guess he, he at this point would only be, if you're playing a bunch of lineups, get one Mike Evans just in case his knee is good. Because the other side is if he tweaks his knee again this weekend, he could be done for the whole thing. And, you know, be a total anchor on your scoring. I do like Tom Brady over Drew Brees and Aaron Rodgers. If I'm playing an NFC quarterback instead of Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes, uh, you can, as I said, you can most likely get most of Rodgers' value in Devontae Adams. Not playing Brees, let's play either Kamara or Michael Thomas. And then Brady allows you to skip that question of which Bucks wide receiver to choose. If I'm not using Tom Brady, though, I like Ronald Jones as well in wins this year, 15 carries, 78.6 yards per game in those nine victories. In the five losses he played in, 11.2 carries per game, 54.2 yards per game. All seven of his rushing touchdowns came in victories. So it, basically the same receptions per game either way. So there, what I'm saying is, if you think the Bucs are going to make a run, or if you're just trying to pick a Buck and they do make a run so you can maximize the points. Ronald Jones should benefit from them making a run because he's doing better when they're winning games. I would like him in a lineup with an AFC quarterback rather than an NFC quarterback.
2: Yeah, to me, if you have an expensive television, you're going to want Brady because when he throws a dart to Scotty Miller for a 45-yard touchdown and you have no Scotty Miller, or when he dives in from the half-yard line on a sneak and you you know, you know have Ronald Jones, it's just, you know, to me, <laughs> to me Brady just cover, he covers it all. Um, you know, because you just don't know which. If I am picking a receiver though, with Evans turned, I'm probably going to lean, probably going to lean Godwin only because of recency bias. He had a really good uh, game against the Lions, but so, so did everybody.
0: Not Scotty Miller as the winner.
2: No, no, I I haven't gotten to Scott. If I had 62 teams, I would I would get to Scotty Miller.
3: If we get to Saturday, if we get to Saturday though, and it looks like Evans is not going to play, and and he didn't practice on Wednesday, um, so I you know he's he's definitely not a lock. If we get to Saturday and it looks like he's going to miss, I think Godwin and Brown would become my two favorite picks from Tampa.
0: Yeah, and in that case, I do think that Godwin would come in with lower ownership than Antonio Brown, so that might push me toward Godwin in this tournament. Yep. All right, now I think we're to the Titans-Ravens game, and we'll start on the—well, I guess let's start with the game itself because that could drive who we're playing from either team. Mike, I've heard Jared allude to who he thinks is going to win this game. What do you think is going to happen in Titans Ravens?
1: It's a good question. I think I would be on Baltimore because as has been true, most of the season, when you look at the spread on their games, a lot of the season you've gone, you might've, you might've asked, well, how did we get there? Like how how is in this case, how is Baltimore more than a field goal favorite at a team that beat them last year in Baltimore. And then again, this year and won 11 games, like what are we looking at? I think that, The numbers love the Ravens, and they were big favorites all year, and they almost always covered those games. Now, they look a little bit like a team that beats up on the worst teams. Like a lot of their wins, they led the league in point differential again, two years in a row doing that. And a lot of that is the Bengals and the Giants and the Jaguars. But I like the idea of Baltimore. I wouldn't say that the pressure's off. They still need, like Jackson needs a playoff win. That team still needs that. And they are an underdog here, but I like the feel of them a little bit against a Tennessee team that is bleeding points. And I think there are a few things you can do. I think there are four things you can do with Baltimore in this, depending on your preference. Last of which is Jackson. I mean, if you want to get to Jackson, you're looking at at least two wins, but I think there's an argument. I mean, as good as he is when he's good and against this defense to start, it's not terrible. But- Andrews is, you know, a nice fallback if you stay away from Kelsey. Andrews is Andrews. Marquise Brown has 6 touchdowns in 6 games. That's working and Tennessee against the pass is terrible. And then you have Dobbins. When you're looking for a running back, he might be after Henry, the best running back idea in the AFC. So I think Baltimore is a tough puzzle. Adam, how are you putting the pieces together in this puzzle?
2: Yeah, I've been generally finding myself on on Dobbins just because I think, you know, if you're going to start in, in the AFC, at least you're going to start Allen or Brady's, has my number two over in the NFC or the, you know, then I find him on my, my homes. But again, Lamar Jackson is another guy that, you know, even if he only gets you two games and if you, if you, if you're going to use Jackson, you're probably not looking for two games, you're looking for more, but you know, like, like Mike said, the, the Titans can't stop anything, right? So they're, they're 30th against quarterbacks, 26th against running backs, 32nd against receivers, 20th against tight end. Like, if he beats the Titans, he's going to put, he could put up 35 or 40, you know, and then he gets the chiefs. He could put up another 30 point game. And even if he loses, you know, he didn't really kill you, but I do find myself on Dobbins because, you know, Lamar Jackson's down there on the list of quarterbacks. When I'm, when I'm getting to him, the only thing that would put me on Jackson again, is that possibility of that extra game. If they can find a run, I mean, they were the so prolific last year lost in the first round or the their, their their first game I just think they're due for a playoff win I know that that's not very you know scientific, but, you know, I think they're going to put up a ton of points on the on, on the Titans, which again, so the safe play to me is it is Dobbins. Cause if you lose, you, you didn't lose a quarterback. You only lost a running back, but um, they, uh, they're finally un- unleashing him like a Corvette in a garage, like, like like Matt likes to say it, but he looks great. He could run for 200 yards in this and this game and then on, on to Kansas city. So uh, Dobbins is the guy that I find myself mostly on, but Lamar Jackson definitely in- in- intrigues me if they have some magical run in in there.
0: Uh, If I had to pick who's going to win this game, I would bet on Baltimore, but I think it's closer than it seems like you guys think it is. Cause uh, I, I don't think Baltimore is as good as it was last year. I don't think Lamar Jackson is as good as he was last year. They come in off of five straight wins. So it looks like they're hot, but their five straight wins came against the Cowboys, the Browns, the Jaguars, the Giants, the Bengals. The Browns are the best team in there. We just watched them almost lose to Mason Rudolph. They did lose to the Jets recently. By the DVOA numbers, the offense is not as good as last year. The defense is also 15th in Football Outsiders' weighted DVOA. So that adds weight to more recent games. So the Baltimore defense is not close to the level that it was last year. I think there are going to be plenty of points on each side of this one, but I don't feel as good about Lamar Jackson as a potential option. And I know that, Adam, you you didn't say that you really like Lamar Jackson. For me, I'm not playing any Lamar because he finished the year 11th. Among quarterbacks in points per game. So he wasn't the guy he was last year. He wasn't the guy who could get 40 points in a given week. Some weeks he gave us 25 plus, and a lot of times he was 12 or 14 or 16 in the rankings and letting us down. I, I don't think that this team is going very far. So I'm not worried about missing a Baltimore run to the Super Bowl. I just don't think that this particular team has a run in them. Again, I think it's Buffalo versus Kansas City for the AFC. So it would just be one of the position guys, Mark Andrews, J.K. Dobbins, maybe Marquise Brown for me. What about you, Jared?
3: Yeah, so j- just starting with the game in general, I don't think it matters a whole lot who you think is going to win this game because I think this is definitely the game in round one where you want two position players yeah. from because I think there's going to be a lot of points. I think there's going to be guys with big fantasy games on both sides, and then whoever wins goes to Kansas City likely, and I think you know that team is, again, going to have guys with big fantasy games. So I think you want – position players from both of these teams. Um, I, I do think Lamar is in play and one he, he you know, he, he finished the season like the guy we thought he was going to be. He was quarterback two over the final five weeks of the season, uh, 29.7 FFPC points per game. Second to only Josh Allen over that span. The other thing too, is the gap between Lamar Jackson and the wrath of Baltimore's skill position guys and fantasy points. Is a lot bigger than it is for Mahomes or Josh Allen or Aaron Rodgers. You know, Lamar Jackson almost eleven more points per game than any other Raven. So I think you can capture you know a lot of the the fantasy production on Baltimore with Lamar Jackson. Um, and again, it, it he allows you to take Travis Kelsey and Steph Diggs and Dante Adams. And you know you hope Lamar does enough at the quarterback spot.
0: Yeah, to me, though, if you do that, then you're saying my quarterback's not going to play in the Super Bowl unless you think Baltimore is going to the Super Bowl, which I, again, I don't think is a possibility this year. So in that case, you're going to have to nail everything else. And I mean, it's more than just getting the best players in there. It's like last year happening to get the Raheem Mostert in your lineup, especially if you don't have that quarterback. And even then, I think you're lowering the ceiling because those Lamar Jackson teams last year finished,
1: I think the top one was like eighth. Yes. Yeah. Um, interesting that some I think Jared maybe used the number sixty-five points. Like if, if Jackson gave you those top games and they lost in the second game, sixty-five points. That's way more than Garoppolo last year. That's more than both the quarterbacks in the Super Bowl the year before, by the way. But I, I don't think it's a risk worth taking. At the end of the day, I just don't. I'm one of his biggest fans, I think. But I don't think it's a risk worth taking. <laughs> I could see them winning. But I think it could easily be any of those other guys. You know, Dobbins has home run potential. If, if we need running backs, maybe it's Dobbins and Derrick Henry. But you can certainly do different things there. Marquise Brown, AJ Brown, you can do different things there. I, I do I wouldn't expect to see Jackson at the you know in the winning lineups.
3: My argument against Dobbins, and I definitely think he's an option. My argument against him is even over his final six games; he's only averaged twelve point eight carries per game only four total targets over that span. He's been living off efficiency, 6.4 yards per carry over that span. It's tough to bank on that continuing. Now, the matchups are awesome. Tennessee, horrible. KC in round two, they're bad against the run. Buffalo, not against the run. So the matchups could set up really nicely for Dobbins. I think, you know, that's the best argument in favor of him.
1: Blowouts down the stretch, right? Blowouts. Jared, J.K.
3: Dobbins is
0: Chase Claypool in the backfield.
3: Yeah, I'll, I'll bet on a low-volume guy wide receiver over a low-volume guy at running back.
0: Yeah, but at least we know the running back is getting the ball. So, I mean, the, it's the same argument for both of those guys. And at wide receiver, you're taking that low-volume guy over somebody else that's probably a better bet for targets.
1: What do we think yeah, of Andrew? I
0: got, Sorry.
3: Yeah, I, I, I think Andrews, even if you're playing Kelsey, I think Andrews at flex makes sense. I mean, you know, he – outscored Marquise Brown in this scoring system this season, and J.K. Dobbins, um, I, and, and that would probably be kind of contrarian. I don't think a lot of people are going to you know, stick to tight ends into lineups.
0: And to me, Mark Andrews is the second choice at tight end if you're not playing Travis Kelsey in that spot. He was in those top finishing lineups last year, not because he helped at all. He caught four balls for 39 yards, but he was in those top lineups last year because – Playing Mark Andrews meant you were not playing Lamar Jackson because 56% of the field, I think, played Lamar Jackson. Then they lost one game, which shocked us all. I, I think that's one thing definitely worth remembering here is the Titans beat the Ravens last year, and it shocked us. This year, if it happened, it wouldn't be nearly so shocking.
1: So who is who is the Raven? Like, who is the most owned Raven? Dobbins, I think. Oh, for me, only because I think
2: pe- most player people are going to be on Kelsey. You know, so that takes um, Andrews out out of the mix, and like you said, there's so many better quarterbacks yeah. than Lamar Jackson. So I think Dobbins, especially with the four the four flexes, you know, you can you can certainly get to him, and uh, he's just he's just exciting. He's had a good good last couple of weeks.
1: I like Brown. I mean, that the touchdown role he's on, the way Tennessee defends the pass, there should be points there, and I'm gonna want to have five receivers. So I think if I'm on Baltimore, well, I'm going to be. I, I think Brown would be my choice, but it's close.
3: He is kind of Tyreek Hill. He, he's a big play guy. He can you know score the 80-yard touchdown. Even if he catches only two or three balls in game, he can still have a big one.
0: I do think that Mark Andrews is going to duke it out ownership-wise with these guys because there will be some teams that don't have Travis Kelsey, especially because there's Patrick Holmes and Tyreek Hill out there. Mm-hmm. And there will be teams that play Mark Andrews as a second tight end with Travis Kelsey. So I, I would, if I had to bet which one of these guys will lead in ownership, I would bet Andrews because I think ultimately – in a tight end premium format, he'll get to, you know, 30, maybe 35%. I would bet that the leader on this team is in that like 27 to 32% range. Let's stay away from him then.
3: Yeah. I I, I think Baltimore is going to be spread out again. I think it's an offense. You definitely want to, I, I think Baltimore is one of the most important teams in this contest, you know, where, where you go on that team.
0: So on the Titan side, is there anybody that you're considering beyond Derrick Henry and AJ Brown? And is anybody else strongly considering AJ Brown over Derrick Henry? Jared, I saw you nodding.
3: Yeah, I thought you were going to stop it. Is anyone considering anyone besides Derrick Henry? I think AJ Brown's definitely in play. I mean, he averaged seventeen and a half points per game this season. That was about three and a half fewer than Derrick Henry. But I mean, you know, there are plenty of games this season where AJ Brown outscored Derrick Henry. I think. Your your bracket needs to say the Ravens beat the Titans to go with AJ Brown. If you if you if you think Tennessee wins this game, Henry's definitely the pick. You know he's going to get thirty carries if Tennessee wins this game. Um, but if you're banking on Baltimore, I think you could definitely go with AJ
0: Brown. I think you can just kind of shrug at this game and take either of these guys because both of them can produce in a game where they win, and certainly a loss would favor A.J. Brown, I think. You know, we've, we've talked a lot about on the DFS pod about how Ryan Tannehill has balled out and how A.J. Brown has put up numbers in big Derrick Henry games. I think one thing to remember here is that when these two teams squared off earlier this year, Derrick Henry had a big game uh, in that one, but the Ravens were without Calais Campbell and Brandon Williams on the defensive line. So this is, it should be back to being a negative rushing matchup. The Ravens have been dealing with injuries on that side. I think any Tennessee opponent is starting its game plan by trying to stop Derrick Henry. So I do think it's possible for Tennessee to win this game, even if Derrick Henry only runs for, you know, 85 yards, which would be certainly a down game for him. Adam, how are you treating the Titans?
2: Yeah, I'm kind of 50-50 on, on uh, Henry and Brown. I've I've been doing a little bit of both. To me, yeah, I, I see pads for for both. And uh, you know Brown might be getting a little bit cute, but I think with the less ownership, I think everyone's going to be on Henry. Brown could have a great, um, great couple games, two games. I do think, plus I do think Baltimore is
1: going to win win this game. So I, I definitely like Brown, but Henry's, you know, Henry's so good. Derek Henry in regulation in the Baltimore game, twenty five for ninety six.
3: Yeah, that's right. So he yeah, ripped him in overtime, right?
1: Yep. 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 One catch for minus one. <laughs>
0: And that's even with the two starting defensive linemen down. So even then, right. they didn't
1: go crazy in, in regulation in that game. They were behind, but still. <laughs> I, I, th- I like the A.J. Brown idea. I like the point about just you know do what you want with this game, and mm-hmm. th- if that's the way it is, I'm going to want to find somebody that isn't obvious, and Henry is more obvious. And playing yeah. Corey Davis here would be like playing John Brown.
0: And probably not to the degree of playing John yeah. Brown with Stephon Diggs, because he does have five 100-yard games this season, but for me, there's just been too many down games lately to play Corey Davis over AJ Brown, unless you know I'm playing a, a bunch of Titans wide receiver lineups.
1: Yep, I would never get there. He had a, he had a good game that day.
3: He at least made my list of you know he's on he's on here for me. Um, you know it would have to be 10 plus teams for me to play him, but he has had blow up games this season. Another case where um, you'd play Davis if you're expecting Baltimore to win. And you just hope that, you know, Davis outscores Brown in that one game, which has obviously happened plenty of times this season.
1: I love the stat, Brown versus Henry points per game. That's a good job. That makes me want to pick A.J. Brown. Nice. I do think that Corey Davis is a bit in the Raheem Mostert lane
0: in that if you're really trying to go different somewhere. Because most people are going to have Derrick Henry, and then most people who don't have Henry are going to have A.J. Brown. Mm-hmm. You not off the map to say that Corey davis can put up points because like i said he, he last week he caught five for 113 or maybe that was the first baltimore game but 500 yard games this season as i mentioned so he, he's shown that he can do it he could have those big games aj brown could go quiet as we've seen happen in the playoffs so again not somebody that i would turn to as a a strong option but you know one of those one or two lineup things
3: maybe yep i agree, I agree.
0: So now I think we're down to the teams that are mostly fade, and we have to decide whether we want a player or we, whether whether we just want to avoid them all together. The, the first team on my list is the Colts here, Adam. So I'll throw it to you just so you can tell me how we shouldn't play anybody, even your godson, Jonathan Taylor.
3: <laughs>
2: I know this is such a, a, a gut wrenching decision here with them playing, <laughs> playing playing the Bills. It's 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 brutal. It's almost like hedging hedging my heart to take Jonathan Taylor, but um, I think there's you know I. Th- there's room to get to, to to Jonathan Taylor with all the flex positions and depending on, on who you're fading. And um I, there's a there's a game script where the Colts win, and it's because of Jonathan. Like, if the Colts win, it's going to be because of Jonathan Taylor. It's going to be not – T.Y. Hilton's not going to kill him. Rivers, if you have a lineup where you think the Colts could be, could beat the Bills, uh, it's Jonathan Taylor for, for, for sure. And if they lose, he's probably still going to be their best fantasy option. So, you know, he's looked great in the second half. The Bills' rush defense isn't isn't the best. They were gashed all th- th- the first half of the year. They've been better as as of late, but um, I do think the Bills are going to sell out to stop the run, force Rivers to beat them. So again, it's not something you're excited about, but if you can get there, I'm not considering really any other Colt over him. So I have like a lot of Rodrigo Blankenship here, but if you could, if you can get to Jonathan Taylor and one of your teams and the Colts win, you um, you're, you're going to look good. I would say don't
0: play Jonathan Taylor in the same lineup with Josh Allen for sure.
1: Sure. Yep. I can say I like Taylor just fine. I think that's all right. Yeah. Um, he's the cult to play if you're if you're going to play one of them, but I think I end up on the kicker a lot here too. Yeah, I mean there's a there's a path to victory and if they win it's probably him. So I feel like the you know you have A choice between Taylor and maybe Gibson or McKissick and Washington or maybe David Montgomery, Nick Chubb, that's the group, right? And so I don't know what the strategy is. I would ask Jared, like, is there some reason why I wouldn't want to fade two NFC teams? I mean, is that going to be be a problem for me if, if both my fades are on the same side?
3: No, you you can definitely do that. Again, you know don't have those teams facing each other in round one, other than that, you're you're fine. Yeah, I think Taylor's definitely an option. You know, Adam mentioned the game script, that'd be the concern for me. like he he's not a running back that you can you know be sure is gonna still be on the field and get the ball in a loss. And I think we all agree we're picking the bills to win this game. So you know Taylor could definitely disappoint in a loss. Now, He could disappoint and still be the Colts' highest scoring, you know, non-quarterback. Then the question is, you know, does Taylor outscore someone from Washington or someone from Chicago? Because, you know, you're you're picking between these teams we think you're going to lose for that flex boss. You know, that's sort of what you're um, comparing Taylor to, I think.
1: Their implied total is higher than, like, the Colts, or not the Colts, the Redskins. Sorry, Adam, I did it. Washington (laughs) and Chicago are both in the teens, their implied total. Um, I don't know what to think from Cleveland. I mean, Chubb is great, and they love to run the ball. So, to me, Taylor and Chubb are somewhat alike in this, but their implied total is higher than the NFC uh, counterparts. Roundtable showing our age here,
0: talking about the the Redskins. That's two great (laughs) shows where we fall back into that. Next thing we're going to talk about, which which one of these teams is going to lean most on the forward pass this week? I think when you combine – Taylor in a matchup that we all think they're going to lose, plus him probably being the highest owned Colt by a long shot. I would lean toward fading him here, going for Rodrigo Blankenship. I want to throw out Naheem Hines as just one of those big-time differentiators because he's always involved. It's not usually big stuff, but he has scored touchdowns, and if they do fall behind the Bills, maybe he outscores Jonathan Taylor, and if you just get that in a loss,
1: then you've at least beaten the Jonathan Taylor teams. Well, what's the number that you want? So is it 15 points? You're going to start a couple of flex position players that, you know, could lose. Yeah. So what, what's what's a livable number? If you get 15, you're still in the game. If you get four, maybe you're in trouble.
0: Yeah. And I mean, I think 15 is like what he could get to because four four catches, 40 yards, you know, 30 rushing and a touchdown. I think gets him into that range and you're hoping that anybody that you start in a flex spot scores a touchdown. You know, it's also worth noting that the team that won it all last year didn't play Dalvin cook. So we're talking about if there's a path for the team winning, then it's Jonathan Taylor having a big game. And that was Minnesota last year where nobody expected him to win. But if there's a path, Dalvin cook is that path. The team that won it all had Dan Bailey, the kicker from that team and no Dalvin cook. So, you know, we can get Jonathan Taylor totally wrong here. I I can fade him he can have a big game. He can make it into round two and we can still, we can still get there.
2: Yeah. My thing is, you know, the Colts are 25% chance to win this game according to 538's model. So to me, it's only Jonathan Taylor. That's going to get them there. Like if they win, it's going to be Taylor scoring 30 for fantasy points, you know, or 25, whatever. It's going to be a monster game for him. It's going to be, you know, two touchdowns. It's going to be over a hundred yards rushing. So that's the only thing that gets me to him. But I just feel like there's better there's better options out there as far as teams that can move past the second round even. So,
3: yeah, I mean Taylor Taylor's definitely the pick if you expect the Colts to win. I, I think Hines is viable assuming you're predicting the Bills win this game. He could outscore Taylor in a loss, you know, with reception volume. And and honestly, if the Colts lose this game and Taylor outscores Hines by 5 points, that, that that's not going to kill you. You can recover from that. So, I think it's a Risk that might be worth taking considering Hines will be like a tenth of the ownership of of Jonathan Taylor.
0: And I think it's a better spot for Hines than it is for T.Y. Hilton. So that's why I mentioned him and not mentioning too much about T.Y. Hilton.
3: Yep. Yeah. He'll see a
0: lot of Trey White. So I think we're on to just kind of the general pool of whether that we decide between fading or playing a player from it. We've got Washington left. We've got Cleveland. We've got the Bears. We've got the Rams me the rams are easily my top choice for not playing a position player so i mean whether you call that a fade or whether you play that as the defense they're the first team that i'm taking out when i'm picking out my position players
3: i don't know i don't have a strong lean here yeah i do like i think among the remaining teams i like the rams d the best I, mean, I think you know even in a loss they could have a nice game it's obviously probably the best defense in the playoffs and you know Russell Wilson takes a bunch of sacks. We think that's going to be a low scoring game. So the the Rams D is uh, probably my my favorite pick at defense.
0: Mike, we know you like Cam Akers. How strong is that wipe at this point?
1: There's a lot of things about the situation that I like. I think, I don't know, I really don't want to say this out loud, but are all the favorites going to win? You know, what's the point of the, what's the point of the contest, right? You got to be a little bit different And again, the Rams, it's a division game. They're a three-point underdog, and you don't even know who their quarterback is going to be. That suggests to me serious concern about Seattle. Akers is healthy. I think they want him to be their running back if he's healthy. This is the playoffs. Uh, They'll have Cupback and Woods, and if their offense is peak, then you can pick from a certain group of guys. Again, it was Reynolds in that first meeting when they won. But, boy, there was the game a couple of weeks ago, too, before the Jet game, where the, what was the game where Akers had the huge day? Patriots. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think that's in there for the Rams. And if it starts to work out and Seattle can't score, then it's perfect. So then I go to Green Bay, and I still don't know what my quarterback situation is. I don't know. That's too far down the road. To, I, I, I I would not want to fade the Rams over teams like Washington and Chicago. I think the defense point is fine. I think there's a Washington's defense argument that's kind of similar. So um, I, I like this idea. I mean, I like Robert Woods okay too, but I think Akers has some real potential to be uh, a strong a strong play. Low percentage ownership probably too.
0: Yeah, I can certainly see the upside argument for Cam Akers. I, this, this offense has scored 20 against the Jets, nine against the Seahawks, 18 against the Cardinals. Even if Jared Goff plays, he's playing with a bad thumb. I think it's going to be a low scoring game. So it, it, it makes me not want to bet on this team but I can certainly see the upside now you know I agree somebody that we don't expect to win is probably going to win so you know if you are doing multiple lineups at some point you take a shot on a team if you think that they're going to win for me I would rather there are other higher upside plays especially when you add in the ankle that was still limiting Cam Akers in practice you know I expect he's going to play but maybe he's a higher re-injury risk than some other guys I might put in that flex spot
1: well you guys I mean do they win two games? Maybe they don't win two games. And so if that's the point, if that's the conclusion, then what's the difference, really? Like, it's it's probably not a big difference in a game with a low total. So I won't uh, fight to death for this.
3: I, I do think Seahawks players will be more popular than Rams players. So if you do take Akers and fade Seattle, you're going to be making up a decent amount of points on the field.
1: Woods is a fine argument, too, I think. I mean, if you get yeah. 7 for 70 in this game and the Rams win – then they I go looked, to Green yeah. Bay if they're down like Woods is nice.
3: I liked him a bit more uh before we knew Cup was gonna be back for this game. I think you know that makes it a bit tougher, it, you know, makes Woods a slightly worse target, but I, I would need a fully
0: healthy Jared Goff for him to make my list. He's only averaged 58 and a half yards per game for the season. Uh, and they've been kind of rough even with a healthy Goff lately. So I, I think that the the kind of the final thing for me on not picking a Rams position player is I think that the Rams could win this game, but I think even if that happened, I don't think that they're going to win the next one. I think the Seahawks could win another game beyond this. So I would rather take a position player from that team and go Rams defense here and not, not fade completely either side of this matchup.
2: My, my biggest thing about fading this game is it's, it's you know, if Goff plays, uh, even if he doesn't, you know, it's like, but more if Goff plays, I don't know who's going to win this game. And you have a Seahawks defense is 31st against receivers. Like, am I really get, in, a, in a coin flip game? Am I going to fade the receivers on this, on, the, on this team? You know, so especially when I've got, you know, the, the, the Washington football team, I've got Chicago, it's huge underdogs against, against the saints. You know, I've got, um, who are the other, I mean, even Indy, who you just talked about, there's just so many teams that you know are not favorite. The Browns, like there's just so many teams that I feel like are, are much easier fades. Uh, we haven't really talked about Cleveland yet, but like, you know, Cleveland's probably going to lose to Pittsburgh. Or has a better chance of losing to Pittsburgh than the Rams do to Seattle. And the Steelers' defense is really good. And the Browns probably aren't going to be able to run for a ton of yards on, a, on in, a, in an actual playoff game against the Steelers in a game that matters for Pittsburgh. So, uh, you know, to fade a a Rams passing game that can put up points, and I
1: don't know if they're going to lose. Uh, I just struggled to 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 do that. So, can we talk about Cleveland for one minute? Oh yeah, like. It's a little bit tempting. Pittsburgh was terrible for the last month, for most of the last month. is It's a little bit tempting or or not at all, or what? I would
0: have been very interested if Kevin Stefanski were going to coach this game. I don't believe in this team with a backup coach, honestly, going to Pittsburgh. Who's the player?
2: Chubb? That's my thing, Mike, is it, it's not an indie situation where it's if, if they're going to win, it's Jonathan Taylor. It's probably Chubb, but it could be Kareem Hunt, um, or it could be like... A little bit of both. So, um, wow, Landry or, or right, and then there, there is Landry there too. So, I, I can't get to any player like I can get to Jonathan Taylor. So, to me, the Browns are a real nice fade for me, unless you want to take their defense and hope Miles Garrett gets a couple sacks, maybe a strip sack or something.
1: Even money on a touchdown prop, would you bet yes or no on Chubb? Uh, yes, I would bet yes. Here
0: <laughs> no. yeah,
1: no. oh, we go. No,
0: no, we have so, action. I think. Show <laughs> I think Jarvis Landry would be my top play here because I I don't think he's left out if they win, and I think that if they lose, he could have a big game, so he's the one that's a safer bet than Nick Chubb and a better individual matchup. I mean, the the Steelers are tough on defense, but they aren't particularly tough on wide receivers and coverage. They have some injury or COVID issues. I forget at the moment. Joe Hayden's got uh, an issue there that um, might make him iffy for the game, but you know, I, I think Jarvis Landry is in at least as good a spot and probably better than Nick Chubb for production.
3: Yeah, if you, if you actually look at our um, projections for that game, this weekend we have Landry projected for more FFPC points than, than Nick Chubb. And I agree with Matt said, that if we expect Cleveland to lose, I think that type of game script sets up better for Jarvis Landry, obviously. So you know, he, he's my pick for the Browns. I definitely think that they're a good team to fade to because – I feel pretty confident Pittsburgh is going to win this game. And I don't expect the Browns offense to, you know,
1: put up a ton of points. So I think it's de- definitely a team you can fade altogether. Implied total is twenty twenty one in that range, still higher than Chicago and Washington, but not by much. Yep. Yeah.
0: And Chicago and Washington are the last two teams, I think, to address here. So uh, I-, I think the reason I would be fine with playing Jarvis Landry is I would be fine with fading the Bears and Washington at the two lowest uh, implied point totals for the week. I mean, we just watched Chicago, We just watched Washington score 20 points against an Eagles team that was not trying. We know that Washington is at least considering rotating Taylor Heineke with Alex Smith this week. So, I mean, whether that actually makes it into the game plan or not, that at least means that Alex Smith is hurting. So, I, I think that Terry McLaurin, and Logan Thomas are both high ceiling fantasy plays in a single game but I could see this offense doing absolutely nothing, especially against a Tampa Bay defense that at least can be good.
1: I think I would get to McKissick before Hines.
3: Yeah, I mean, they're they're very similar players. That's, that, that's not crazy at all. I
0: thought you were about to say McKissick before McLaurin or Logan Thomas. So I was starting <laughs> to make a face.
1: Um, oh, I think about good. it. McLaurin isn't even healthy. He probably plays, but. Yeah.
3: McLaurin ended up playing basically his usual role in the game against Philly, which I was surprised about. Cause he, you know, he supposedly has a high ankle sprain just a few weeks ago. So I was surprised, but you know, he, I don't want to say he looked hundred percent, but he was good enough. Obviously caught the touchdown. His playing time was, was, was you know, where, where it usually is. So uh, I guess he's close to a full go. Um, I think he's not, I mean, again, th- this goes back to, we, we need to pick position guys from two teams that, that are going to lose this weekend. So yeah, there's a chance someone like McLaurin, or Logan Thomas is, you know, one of the highest scoring position players from a team that loses.
1: And one of them, the other one is the Baltimore-Tennessee game.
3: Correct, yep, yep. Yeah, it's really just one, I guess.
1: All right, we got prop action on Chubb to score, and I'm with you, Matt, McKissick over Hines PPR this week. <laughs> I'm
0: not betting <laughs> Hines versus action. McKissick, but
1: I'll Go take Maybe the touchdown prop.
0: By the way, Bears, anybody, is it Allen Robinson or Bust here, or is anybody actually considering David Montgomery against the Saints?
3: So Allen Robinson's my favorite player among teams I expect to lose. Like, I'm, you know, I'm going to have someone from Baltimore or Tennessee. Then Allen Robinson's a guy, I like, you know, for, kind of for that final spot. Uh, I think the Chicago's going to be trailing this game. They're going to throw a bunch. Allen Robinson dominates targets on that team. Um, these teams played during the regular season. Robinson went 6 for 87 in a score. And I think the Saints pass defense is beatable. Um, we saw Robinson have a nice a big game in the playoffs last year. So he, he's someone I'm definitely interested in.
0: Yeah, I, I would say I'm interested. I also think that he's going to easily be the most popular guy from this team and a, a guy that a lot of people have trouble leaving out when they know that they do have to pick some guys from teams that they expect to lose. So that I think the expected ownership on Allen Robinson and, you know, some of the other options that I could pivot to from him, make him fadeable for me as well.
3: Yeah, I, I guess I don't know. I'd I i did not expect him to be that high owned. You you might be right. I just think a lot I think a lot of people are gonna fade the Bears altogether. Some will use Montgomery, some will use, you know, the defense. So I, I guess you know, I I would I would expect Robinson like twenty to thirty percent maybe.
1: Yeah, I mean I, I love the idea of these these underdogs, but I can't. Robinson would be my pick too. I, I don't even think it's that risky based on ownership, because they're such a big underdog. I mean, nobody will have them winning two games.
2: Yeah, I'm out on the Bears and Washington. I just don't have any players from them at all, just because I. you got to take a stand somewhere. It's easier for me to take a stand on teams than it is on players. All right, well, that's going to do it for this lengthy roundtable edition of the podcast. You can head over to draftsharks.com
0: now. You can see our full playoff rankings for both offense and IDPs. You can find Jared's deep dive into the strategy of building your FFPC challenge team. You can even find player projections for the wildcard round of the playoffs. We'll be keeping that going every week throughout the playoffs. And Jared and I will be back here Friday with Tyler for our weekly DFS podcast. You can find all of us on Twitter. We are at Sharks. Mike is at Shope Talk. That's S-C-H-O-P-P Talk. Adam is at Adam underscore Krautwurst jared is at smola ds i am at shop ds that's s-c-h-a-u-f for the entire draft sharks crew i'm at shop saying thanks so much for swimming with us